The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from pitchless.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today, we're going to talk about the San Francisco Giants as I continue to cover all 30 teams across the major leagues and their rotations. And the Giants, well, I want to preface this by saying they are going to get the Yankees in Yankee Stadium and the Chicago White Sox in Chicago. And that's not fun. I think the Yankee offense is a great offense. I think the White Sox are a solid one as well. And it's going to deter me from a good amount of these Giants pitchers. Why? I know it's about the full season and we'll talk about them all for the full season. Still, I think a lot of them, save for Logan Webb, are the kind of pitchers that you, you're really sifting through among the entire field in the opening weeks and considering you don't really want to start them in their first start is it really better off to stick with them past that first hurdle I think you just kind of wait instead but we're going to talk about all of them and more and first of course is Logan Webb 192 innings 15-9 record 2-9 ERA 116 whip 116 116 whip 20.7% K rate 6% walk rate last year you're wondering, hey, what really happened between 2021 and 2022 for Logan Webb? Where the ERA is kind of similar, but the whip went way up and the strikeouts came way down. So it's twofold. And it really starts with the slider. The slider stopped earning swings off of the plate. Uh, its O-swing rate went down from 44% to just 31.6%. Its put-away rate went from like 32 down to 17. So he couldn't get the whiffs in, with two strikes like he used to. And its overall swing strike rate went from about 22 down to about 14%, 13-14%. Yeah, that's bad. I don't actually think that the movement on the slider changed all too much, but he wasn't really locating it down in middle like he used to. A little bit more away and off the plate that way. And that's a big deal. And without getting those strikes with the with the slider, it meant that his sinker had to do more and it then allowed more hard contact, up to 38% hard contact. And then its batting average jumped about 60 points to 327. That's a huge deal. And even so, it was still a 290 array across 192 innings. You got your 15 wins. You got a 116 whip that you can stomach and a 21% K rate. That essentially meant Logan Webb got about 160 strikeouts or so. Okay, you can deal with that. That's all right. And there is hope that Webb gets his slider back. I think it's somewhat in between of 2021 and 2022. I hope that the changeup is exactly what it has been because honestly, that's an amazing pitch. The low location of that is insane. Gets a ton of outs on it. 83% low lock is so good. It's elite for Logan Webb's changeup. 
So I see him as a workhorse through the year. I see this as your true volume guy. Where the whip likely won't be underneath 110 again. I really think that the uh, the hipper 9 is going to be elevated because the sinker innately just is a hittable pitch. The strikeouts should come back to some degree. Not necessarily 26-27%, but probably 23% as the slider does get more whiffs this year. It really should. Uh, but yeah, that's that's Logan Webb. Um, I hope the defense is better behind him. That could be part of the reason why it was a 327 batting average allowed on the sinker. Part of it. But still, it should be elevated from last year considering how much worse the slider was at getting those whiffs off the plate. Um, but yeah, Logan Webb, he's solid. He's not going to be a top 15 starter, but he is going to be a top 40 starter um, in 2022. Or 23, I should add. I mean, really, it's just about wins at that point. But wins are stupid. Anyway, Alex Cobb had a 7-8 and record. He was a stack house darling across 150 innings with a 3.73 ERA, but a 130 whip. 24% K rate and a 7% walk rate. So Alex Cobb does three things, right? He throws sinkers for called strikes. It's called strike rate is a lead 30 plus percent, which is crazy good. He throws a slider over 40% of the time. And as far as performance goes on a splitter, sorry, not a slider, a splitter 40% of the time, it's kind of average. But the fact that it's kind of average over double the usage of a normal splitter, normally around 20%, that's a huge deal because a splitter is an above average pitch. The reason I generally don't like them is because they're volatile, but 40% of the time being normal is good. (laughs) That's a good thing to do. And then you have a curveball that Alex Cobb, well, he tried to sneak them in for early strikes, but made them really hittable and guys were aware of it. They were ready to jump on a curveball for his pitch a lot, and they messed them up. So, sure, there were a lot of things, like a low left-on-base rate that was under 70%, and yes, his Babbitt was a little bit high, and so on and so forth. He had a 2-8 FIP, and I get it. I really do. But Alex Cobb isn't that great, guys. You know, it, I don't think it's going to be all of a sudden a 115 whip, and that's really what you're chasing. You're ch- like, why are you doing that? Sure, 24% K rate last year. I get that. You know, 373 ERA though. Like, what is the ideal season from Alex Cobb that you're chasing? A 3-3 ERA with a 115 whip and a 25% K rate? I get that. Okay, that's like SP 2-3 territory. That's like the peak, if you ask me for Alex Cobb. What I think we're actually going to get is probably like a 122 whip or so and a strikeout rate kind of near what it was last year, maybe 23 percent like it's not so good that I feel as if you need to hold on through all the bumps and bruises it wasn't just luck it's the fact that his sinker still gets hit hard despite the called strike rate it's the fact that his curveball isn't that great and that the splitter is amazing some days and sometimes not an average is out to be an average splitter that's the problem here so I would love to stream Alex Cobb and take chances on it, but as my 12-teamer through the year, it's just going to be a hipster, a headache-inducing starting pitcher that stifles the entire roster, right? Headache-inducing pitcher. I had an extra S in there, but you understand the point. Uh, Alex Cobb isn't for me, and, and neither is Alex Wood. Um, maybe Shamanaya and Ross Stripling, and there's actually maybe a sleeper inside of here for the Giants. We're going to talk about all of those guys after this break. Alex Wood last year, 8-12 and record. 131 innings, 510 ERA, 124 whip, 24% K rate, 5% walk rate. Honestly, in many ways, very similar to Alex Cobb. Had a fit that was way below the uh, the ERA that he held. It was about a 3-7 FIP. And you think, hmm, that's kind of like what his 
383 ERA and a 118 whip season was in 2021. The thing is, his pitches were kind of the same. I mean, sure, he threw a tick harder on the fastball, but it really acted the same. Didn't really have a major difference. The slider is still kind of average, and his changeup is more of an afterthought. And I look at Alex Wood and I say, okay, I, I grasp that this should be a better pitcher. Like, he should not have a 5-plus ERA. He should probably have something hovering a 4. The whip, yeah, it's going to be flirting with 1.2. Strike air rate should be above 20% comfortably. So, but that's it. I don't see an elite arm here. I don't see a potential breakout arm. I see a guy that you're hoping is a Toby, really, that is at the end of your staff and you're cool with that. That's not enough. That's not enough for 12-teamer. I really encourage everybody to shoot for more uh, in your in your 12-teamers. That's how you win leagues is by having a sturdy staff all the way through or maybe just one at the bottom, but that's really something that you're churning through. Alex Wood is not someone, someone I want to draft and hold on to. Again, Yankees first and White Sox after. Uh, I don't know which one Alex Wood is going to get. Assuming he's the SP3, he would get the Yankees. If he's SP4, then he would get the White Sox. I Yeah, they crush lefties, right? They used to, at least. I don't know if that's still the case, but that has been the thing now with Ben Attendees there. Maybe it's a little bit worse, uh, but you understand my point. Alex Wood isn't that kind of needle pusher that you want him to be. That said, 15-teamers, yeah, he should be better than the 5'10 ERA, and this should be decent as long as he's healthy. Uh, hopefully, the Giants' defense is better than last year, so I'm okay with it in 15-teamers, but I think in 12, you can do better than this. Sean Mania and Ross Stripling, so... Sean Manaya last year, 150 innings, 496 ERA, 130 whip. Again, another guy, 130 whip. Look at that. 23% K rate. Again, 7.5% walk rate, 89 record. Manaya now goes to the Giants. And there is talk about the Giants being this really good club for fixing pitchers. <sighs> I don't know if I buy this. This is what I often talk about, where it's like, oh, this club is known to be really pull out the best of them. Well, what generally what happens when that does occur are a few things. One, the first organization is just really bad. Pittsburgh. Um, sorry for the cough there. I just, I didn't want to let that out. And uh, the other team just benefits from like, yeah, don't do that. Do this. Simple direction, right? Other times, well, some sometimes they just have a really good defense behind them. Tyler Anderson going to the Dodgers last year. The Dodgers defense was elite. Um, that first season with the, the Giants, Anthony Escafani had a really good 2021. The defense for the Giants was elite. The Cardinals, elite, right? Defense does a lot for pitchers. Um, and figuring out exactly which team is going to have the best defense is a hard thing to do, sadly, because we thought the Giants were going to be really good defense last year, and they weren't. So when Chaminade is now coming into the Giants organization, I don't innately just say, oh, this is going to be great, because look, Alex Cobb and Alex Wood didn't do well last year in the Giants. Sure, Carlos Rondon maintained himself, but that's just maintaining himself. So I'm not totally sold on that idea. That said, Chaminade did lose a tick of velocity last year, but regained most of it in the second half and had some bad starts and it really damaged his whole ERA and whip. 617 ERA, 133 whip in that increased velocity time in his final 12 starts. But the slider kind of woke up to 36% CSW after being well below that uh, through the year. And maybe if that is a thing that could actually... You know, that sticks through 2023, then maybe Shaman and I can be the guy that we want him to be again. I think his changeup isn't very good, though. And he's throwing that over a, a quarter of the time. And I just don't believe in the command of Shaman I. He kind of gets just like shoves it into the zone <laughs> and like says, all right, whatever. 
And that kind of works at times with a sinker, kind of doesn't at others. Uh, and especially those days when the breakers aren't doing enough. Um, well, the breaker and then the slow ball. So it's too volatile for me with Sean Manaya. I, I really don't want to latch onto this. It could be a case where he has a nice stretch again, like he has had in the past. And that's wonderful. But I don't think there's enough inside of the arsenal for Sean Manaya for the Giants to squeeze out of him for me to feel like, oh man, I totally missed the Sean Manaya train. Like there are going to be like four games in a row where Manaya allows like one run and has six Ks each or something like that. And Emmer goes, oh, well, Sean Manaya has been fixed by the Giants. And I say, no, he's not. Let's just wait this one out and see what happens. Uh, I'm, I, that's the hardest part of fantasy is discerning what is real, what isn't in this. But I'm going to tell you right now, I don't believe whatever surge happens for Manaya because he kind of just does that at times. And then all of a sudden he implodes in another one. Don't do this. Cherry bomb. I don't want it. Ross Stribling is interesting. Very interesting. 301 ERA, 102 whip for the Jays last year. That's so good. But 20.7% K rate, mm. 134 innings, 10 and 4 record, which again is going to elevate him in all player raters and not deservedly. So, I uh, the changeup is really good. At least it was last year. And we're talking like a top 10 pitch kind of changeup. Uh, 22% swinging strike rate, 50% O swing as he threw it over a quarter of the time. It used to be 50% usage, now 27% for Stripling's changeup. It's low location. I was talking about like 80% being elite for Webb. 70% is a big deal. That's good for Stripling. And that's it. That's like the thing that made Ross Stripling really good last year. And it's still only returned a 21% strikeout rate because changeups are not massively linked to strikeouts. It's sliders and, and four seamers generally are the ones that do that. So that's not a good thing when your best thing is in a changeup. Um, sometimes the exception is like uh, Luis Castillo, but yeah, this isn't Luis Castillo's changeup, right? It's a very good changeup, but it's not that in its peak. So I'm not totally sold on this. I mean, if you're asking, what is the other stuff? Well, the four-seamer, he actually even tried to elevate last year and Stripling had a sub-10% swing strike rate on it. Actually lost a little bit of whiffs despite a good amount more of elevation because his VAA is terrible. He's too over the top and it just doesn't allow for a good angle to get those whiffs up in the zone. So you look at the slider and you look at the curveball. Well, the curveball, curveball is like an almost exclusive first pitch or early encounts. And... I think the number was 90 out of 196 of them were called strikes. That's about a 50%. It's really close to a 50% rate. Something insane like that. And no, actually there was 100. I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy how many of these fell in. It was a near 50% called strike rate. And what? Insanity. Um, I don't think that's going to stick again. Then the slider doesn't earn 10% swing strikes. So there just isn't enough there to squeeze out with Ross Stripling. Tough schedule early. I just, I'm not going to do it. I think there are more fun things to chase on that you can say like, oh no, now I've got, you remember this time last year, Jesus Lazardo was one of your last picks in the draft. And then he comes out and earns 12 strikeouts and he's amazing for six weeks before he hits the the IL. That's the kind of stuff you should be chasing. That's going to happen again to somebody. I don't know who it is. I'm trying to guess. <laughs> we were in on Jesus Lazardo last year. But I, I don't think it's Ross Stripling. I mean, let's monitor spring training, see if there's anything new there. But I think the fastball's too weak. The secondary pitches don't miss an, enough bats and are not strong enough overall. And the changeup is really good. But I think it, I think it was a peak last year because, I mean, it was like a top 10 pitch. And I don't think it's going to maintain that performance again. Uh, there are four others that I should mention uh, with the Giants. Uh, there's Anthony Descafani. 
0-2 record last year, 19 innings pitch. Yeah, it was lost season injuries with his ankle and all that kind of stuff. 2021, that was way better. Uh, that was a 317 ERA, 109 whip, 23% K rate. Defense was much better with the Giants. And he's also the sixth man, clearly right now, who's going to be fighting for his opportunity to come back. I don't think the sinker is going to be a 191 batting average allowed either, uh, like it was in 2021. The forcing was bad in that time. The slider was actually not that exceptional, um, but it worked for him. And nothing else did. I, I really feel like it's not going to repeat itself with Descafani. That said, if he's getting starts every five days, he could be a Toby, and that's cool. There are a lot of these guys in the league that are fastball slider, and they can go like six innings just doing that and a couple other things. Like Cal Quantrill kind of comes to mind. James Caprillian has done that. I There's another one in my head that I can't remember right now, but Anthony Descafani is part of that. Oh, it was Casey Mize was one of them. All right. Sean Jelly is someone I think a lot of people or some people are interested in because in his last start of the year or last game, I should say, as he was opened for, he was tossing 95-96, got a lot of slider whiffs and earned eight strikeouts in zero earned runs in those five innings against the Padres. That's kind of interesting, right? 95-96, lots of slider whiffs, eight strikeouts and eight inning and five innings. Yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, if you've never seen Sean Jelly, um, he's super tall. And it means that he has a terrible VAA for getting whiffs. Uh, now he throws a sinker, as he kind of should, because what's the VAA saying for, for tall people? You should be throwing down in the zone. It's more of an extreme angle, so it's really hard to get lift on that, reducing the uh, the home runs, and you'll get more grounders and all that kind of stuff. It's really hard to make contact. Think of the ball like dropping at the most extreme angle to the bottom of the plate in front of the plate, right? That's that's what you're trying to do more of. You're trying to lean into that when you're really tall and have a high release point. He doesn't do that. 29% low location. That should be like 60, 70% uh, with his sinker. So I hope he can fix that. I mean, just think about it with a guy with a good four-seamer. Like we're looking for above 60% high lock on a four-seamer. So do the reverse, Sean. Um, not doing it yet. The slider, when it worked, or curveball, however you want to, uh, name it or classify it uh, has its moments. It was a sub 60% strike rate. So small sample. I need to see him earn a higher strike rate, well above 60%, comfortably so, and also getting sinkers down for me to in any way think this could be interesting. I I don't think we've seen a tall, successful pitcher in a long time. I remember there's Taylor Youngman who was trying to do the whole sinkers down because I'm really tall. And I uh, approach, and I don't think it worked out because you don't know who that is. Uh, so I'd be surprised if, if Jelly could do it, but we'll see. He doesn't have a spot. Um, and he might not get one. I mean, there's also Jacob Junis as a backup option for the Giants. He had some moments last year where he was intriguing. The changeup was so good for a moment, and then it just wasn't used. It was more like a platoon thing against lefties again, and just that... That destroyed my excitement because his fastballs are very bad. Slider's always been a very good pitch. It's just with a changeup, it could have been a thing, and it's not. So I don't really think we're going to see much of that. And the last one I should mention is Kyle Harrison, who uh, might get the call at some point this year. A lot of hype about him. High strikeout rates in the minors. He does get a lot of walks, though. And for for your 12-team drafts, or even 15-teamers, I don't feel comfortable stashing Kyle Harrison because A... I want to see the walks go down a little bit. But B, I think the Giants are going to turn to Anthony Escafani as their first option 
And then Sean Jelly is the second one. So you're going to, it's going to be a while, I think, before Cal Harrison gets his opportunity in the first place. And I don't want to waste that roster spot in the most valuable time of the year, which is April and May. So I'm not in on Kyle Harrison. Obviously, talk to Chris Clegg here at the Pitcher List, uh, inside the Pitcher List Discord, um, and the entire Dynasty team. They know what they're talking about. Check out the San Francisco Giants article, which should come up today. I mean, we're pretty much timing these uh, podcasts with the prospect article, so definitely check that out. But that's it for today. So my name is Nick Pollock. May your babs be low and your strikeouts high.